This week's podcast brought to you by Dangling Dice. I had a revelation recently. Uh, I was pumping gas and mentioned to you afterwards the, the cost of the gas and how they, uh, you know, we used to pay $70 to fill the car and now it's $40 to fill the car. And you mentioned how you watch the gallons go up as you're pumping gas. And I said I always watch the price go up. And now the light bulb went off and now I watch the gallons go up. So I know that how close I am to filling the car when it gets to 17 gallons. Because that doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't fluctuate. And so Do you feel after, like a better man? I, you've made me, after 17 years of marriage, a better man. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. This morning, I was tidying up in the dining room, and our daughters, our eighth grade daughters, or just graduated eighth grade daughters, cap and gown and tassel were on the table looking for their next home. And um, it reminded me that uh, the last few months, in particular the last few weeks around here as as things have opened up a, a smidge, um, you don't see tassels anymore hanging from rearview mirrors, but what you see in almost universally in every car that's parked in a lot somewhere are a variety of face masks that are now dangling from people's rearview mirrors. I saw one person who was interesting. Well, I didn't see the person, but I saw the car. It was a convertible <laughs> that then had like three or four uh, face masks dangling from the can something be on the rearview mirror but not be dangling? Well, I, I keep my—you're asking the wrong person. I keep my face mask in the cup holder or in the armrest, or sometimes under the front seat, sometimes in the wrong car. And um, pumping gas yesterday, there was a lady at the adjacent pump, and I realized I was pumping without a face mask. And so, while I was pumping, it didn't have one of those things where you can click the handle closed. Right. So I had to yell to you in the shotgun seat to throw me my mask so I could make a demonstration of me wearing a mask and, and not, I, I wasn't deliberately not wearing a mask, you know, right. wasn't one of those people. Um, but, uh, but when I first met you, your dad had fuzzy dice dangling from his rear view mirror. Do you remember that? That's right. He did. Um, that was a joke. The, um, th- those fuzzy dice. It was dice. a joke. It was, ha- no, it was a the, daily joke that the, went on for years. It did go on for years. Those fuzzy dice, um, when I got my first car, which is right after I graduated from college, um, a Chevy Blazer. I did a, I did commercials for a local Chevy dealership in Connecticut. And, um, and, part of my compensation was a car and it was my first car I'd ever had. I didn't even really have use of a car when I was in high school or college. Um, my parents drove their cars to work and those are the only cars we had in the house. Anyway, um, a friend of mine as a joke gave me a pair of fuzzy dice. I don't even know where they got the fuzzy dice um, and put them on the rear view mirror of that car. 
That was a thing like I from know. Happy Days, American oh, yeah. Graffiti, the 1950s, it was Fuzzy a, Dice. It, the only place... It couldn't that, even have been a very long fad in the 50s. In, in those days, like when I was in you know in the mid-90s, the only place that I could remember where you could get them is you could win them at a carnival, like playing a carnival game. So Along with even, one of those wavy mirrors and, um, and like uh, the... Uh, uh, beer bottle that was melted into a shape. Do you remember those? Yes. But but I'm even thinking like, you know, one of the things that's popular at carnivals and you don't see ever see them for sale, um, but you can win at carnivals are like plastic swords and a plastic sheath. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Um, you don't ever see those for sale, but like when you're a kid, a plastic oh, you, scabbard. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely. I mean, you desperately want that, to. That will be the name of my pub, the plastic scabbard. <laughs> that would be a great name for a pub. Um, but you desperately want to win those things. So anyway, you could also win fuzzy dice. So I have no idea where the gift came from, and um, and I passed it along to my dad. And you're right, he did. He put them in the rear view uh, or dangling from his rear view mirror. And the beauty was they started out as black, but being in with you know with the white dots on them, being in the rear view, it, it, it turned into the, like this weird purple. Yeah, they faded yeah, quite badly. Yeah. And um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. How long? How long is it still considered a joke until it just turns into that's the guy who has dice on his right? Room it, it's it's also it's also if nobody else is in on the joke, who is the joke on? Right. Well, who cares who the joke is on if it makes you laugh every well, time course. you get uh, into the car? Uh, that's the course. only thing that of matters. Course. But um, but you're right. I had totally forgotten about that. My dad did have fuzzy dice, and um, and they were dangling. And they were dangling. <laughs> from his rear view so and then um your father's dangling <laughs> fuzzy dice my father's dice were dangling and <laughs> my father's were dice were dangling that, right. that was a 1940s we, dance hall hit popular during <laughs> world war ii we um, really need to move we, we've on. certainly set a record for dangling <laughs> in, so, in the podcast anyway it's been interesting to me what brought you, this up the the mask masks and the our daughter's um cap and her tassel that now I don't know where she's going to put the tassel because she can't drive. Like in, uh, when you graduate high school, most people have licenses and you graduate eighth grade and you get a little tassel. I don't know exactly where you put it, but that brought me to the, the, to the to dangling. <laughs> which eventually the got you to utter the phrase, my father's dice were dangling. <laughs> no, got you there, oh, okay. which is an e- even more uh, disturbing. Well, you said before we st- when we were trying to set up the um, – apparatus for the podcast um you you ordered new equipment we've got i mean this crazy rube goldberg contraptions um, tray table um one of these spring-loaded extension arms with a lot of bending joints these uh, i don't know what you call them these little baskets that you put the microphone in and ours don't fit the micro don't fit the baskets and you complained about you you got a much easier setup for like eight bucks online, and yeah, you said all we won't it have is, is stands for the microphone. And you said we won't have to go through this this rigamarole or I something said, like rigamarole. Well, you corrected yourself, but you. Well, no, you I intentionally said it wrong okay. the first time. And and again, like dangling, a great word, rigamarole. And so I I just looked up the etymology of it, and it's it comes from the old English ragman's roll, um, which was apparently a another phrase for a catalog or a list of goods so that's where the the rigmarole it sounds to me like a like a a pasta doesn't it a little a little bit it's funny because there's certain words that 
um, and that's one of them that when you say them, they remind you of a person who used to use that word. And um, my high school basketball coach, Mr. Vincent, used the word rigmarole. I don't even remember in what context he used it, but when when I said it this morning, um, I was just thinking that that's a word he used to use. Did he use rigmarole in lieu of pick and roll? <laughs> that would have been when a great you, when, basketball When, when she rigums... You roll? <laughs> yes. I wish he had. Um, I wonder what in basketball, you know, terms, what a rigum would have been. <laughs> but I'm sure it would have been um, a good thing to follow with a roll. And also, just before we turned on the rigmarole here to record the podcast, I, we saw that Carl Reiner has died as we record this on Tuesday at 98 after i'm trying to do the math here he got married in 1943 to his wife estelle she died in 2008 she of course was the woman who said i'll have what she's having in when harry met sally directed by their son rob reiner um so that's a 65 year marriage if i'm doing the math correctly i'm, right? I'm, I'm not double checking so i'll well, just assume that you are doing the math correctly anyway what a life the night before he shipped off for uh World War II, a friend persuaded him to try out for the the uh, Signal Corps uh, uh, Special Services Entertainment Unit, and so he spent two years traveling around entertaining the troops. I mean, he was probably 20 at the time himself, and then went on to write for Sid Caesar's Show of Shows with, with Larry Gelbart, who created MASH. Um, Woody Allen later was on that. Um, Mel Brooks, who became his best friend. And this is, you talk about aspirations. Mel Brooks, 94, Carl Reiner at 98. These guys, I, I think several times a week, would get together for dinner at one or the other's house and watch TV uh, while eating dinner. Something that I aspire to. Who, um, do you have any candidates for who would be your um, TV and dinner partner? Because it wouldn't be you, right? Well, yeah, assuming I'm out of the picture. Who, um... Well, uh, yeah, who, ideally ideally, it would be Mel Brooks. <laughs> you, you said that he tweeted um, just a few days ago, right? He tweeted a, a him picture a picture of, of himself with Mel Brooks, um, Carl Reiner's daughter. And um, they were, all appeared to be in front of the TV wearing Black Lives Matters t-shirts. 98 and 94. So Mel Brooks, thankfully, is still with us. Also... Of course, he was Alan Brady in the Dick Van Dyke Show, a favorite of mine, and directed another classic, Steve Martin and the Jerk. Oh, he directed the Jerk? He did. He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! A couple weeks ago, we mentioned on the podcast that on your to-do list was um, going to be changing the air filter. And uh, we have not changed the air filters since the Golics were here in 2017. Um, And... Neither of us remembered how to change the air filters. but In fairness, we had not changed the air filters before the Golics were here uh, since 2004. Right. So, um, so we're getting better. And uh, so I was going through some old um, pictures, cleaning out some of the pictures and videos and stuff on my phone, and I came across the video of Mike Golick and you changing our air filter. And so I was watching it the other day, and you weren't home, and um, I was like, oh, this is something I can do. And uh, we had some air filters. So 
I changed, and I'm so, I was so proud of myself. I changed both the air filter in the basement that he had changed, and then I changed the air filter in the attic that I don't think has been changed since we moved in here, although that one was not nearly as um, gross as the one in the basement. But um, I now, now pretty that sure I, Mike Golick changed that one as well, but I don't think he I did. I think he did. I think he was up in our attic. Was he? pretty sure oh okay um that was this because this this was the second time in my life that i have been filter shamed first by golik and and now by you and now by me um but you helped me with the second one you came and uh you were home at that point but um i came up with this with this big dirty filter from the basement and you're like what is that and i said i changed the air filter i was i was proud of myself but even more so now now that i've actually done it once i know how to do it it's not that hard it didn't take that long so part of the process that was a little bit tedious, but um, we have clean air filters and I, 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 I was proud of myself for that. I also had to do something last week that I haven't, hadn't done in, since quarantine started months ago, and that was um, a trip to the doctors, a, a yearly scheduled doctor appointment um, that I didn't want to cancel or postpone because it would be difficult. So anyway, the whole new process of going to see a doctor is interesting. First off, um, you don't go in the building. When you get when I got to the parking lot, I called and they did all of the all of the check in stuff over the phone. They came and examined you in the parking lot. (laughs) Pretty close. Um, You know, all the information, your insurance information, all that. And then once and then they handed their phone to a nurse who took whatever vitals or information she could take over the phone. I guess not my vitals, but the information. So then they said, all right, now you can come up to the third floor. So I go up and as soon as I, you know, people get off the elevator, I had taken the stairs, but as soon as you get off the elevator, there's a person there who gives you hand sanitizer, takes your temperature on your forehead, you know, the one that doesn't even touch your skin. Okay. Then a nurse How right do those after work, that. By the way, what's that? How do those work? I don't know, but it appeared to, um, and then a nurse met me immediately, brought me right into the doctor's office. My appointment was just was super efficient. And I was in and out of the building in 18 minutes and still felt like I had a, a good amount of time with the doctor and talked to her about what I needed to talk to her about. And, but were uh, your vitals ever taken? Yes, the vitals were taken. When I when the nurse first brought me in the room, that's when they did my um, blood pressure and oxygen and whatever else. that, that Took they your did. vitals and, so, and fed oh, you vittles. Oh, this is interesting, too, because I think I've told you when I've been to the OB um, in the past, they have you stand on the scale backwards. This doctor had me stand on the scale normally, you know, facing forwards, but it was not in pounds. It was in what would have been kilograms. Yes. So then you have no idea what it is anyway, unless you like then do the math on your phone. But I was like, oh, this is interesting. They don't make me turn my back because Americans, we don't know what the translation is from kilograms of pounds anyway. So anyway, that was another vital. I don't know if, does your weight count as a vital? I don't know. Anyway, um, in and out of there in 18 minutes, it it was super fast and efficient and I felt safe and um, they should have been doing this like this for a long time. (laughs) Well, certainly they should have been taking your temperature via a gun that doesn't touch your skin for a long time because remember having to hold the thermometer under your tongue for 20 minutes yeah yeah or worse well well how about this though because i thought this was interesting so they took it by the gun for me to to get in to see the doctor at all but when they were taking my vitals they did take my temperature orally 
which is interesting. You just took it outside, so I guess you don't trust really the gun on the forehead because then they still um, they still ended up taking my temperature. But um, but anyway, me- eighteen minutes. It's got to be a record. F- for a doctor's visit where you still feel like you had a good amount of time with the doctor. Whenever I'm asked on an airplane how I take my coffee, that's the answer I give orally. By the way, we mentioned taking your vitals and and I asked if you were given your vitals. And because this is primarily a dog and cat food commercial podcast now, right. do you remember Tender Vittles? Yeah. Tender Vittles cat food? Yes. So do I. Was there a, a, a jing, jingle, though, that you remember specifically? Uh, I, or do you just remember because that's such an odd and interesting name? It's just a great name. And, and, and consistent with all other dog and cat food commercials, it looked delicious on TV. Our, um, our, we have a, a nephew who's, um, who's 10 years old, and, and, and he has a cat. And he was saying the last time we saw him, and his chore is to feed the cat. And he was saying last time we saw him that, um, or his mom was saying that, uh, whenever he brings the cat her food, he just says, "Oh, it just looks and smells so good." Well, you know, he's. he's <laughs> and when you're a kid, you think it does, right? Well, I mean, I think it's more that just when you're hungry, anything. If looks- you were, you know, when you when you're watching late night TV and you see one of these uh, stylized fast food four decker hamburgers that that when you actually get it at the drive through it's smashed and and looks nothing like that but when you're smashed and watching the commercial it, it looks it looks delicious it looks doesn't amazing. it by the way since since we mentioned tender vittles i queued up a tender vittles muted on on uh, youtube and so i didn't hear the jingle because we're recording as we do this but it immediately you know how youtube then goes on to the next video it immediately went to a chef's ahoy cat food commercial i'm sorry fish ahoy cat food commercial and is now segueing rolling over into a crave cat food commercial from 1987 again this is fish uh, ahoy i don't remember that at all do you i remember, do i remember, you do the remember name. Fish yeah, ahoy? Yeah. it was it was I, I probably longed for it while i saw the commercial <laughs> i probably thought it was the chips ahoy the feline version of chips ahoy um ahoy is a phrase that that isn't in a lot of product names anymore did you look up the um, what was the fr- word you used? Rigmarole. No, the when you're looking into the history of a word, the um, etymology. Yeah, I was like, I know it's not entomology. <laughs> the etymology. Did you look into the etymology? I looked into the etymology of entomology. Of ahoy. Yes. Of ahoy? Of ahoy. Well, ahoy, ahoy. It's it's pirate talk, right? Yeah, but there's got to be something more more to it than that. Sadly, it's uh, not at all interesting or even intelligible. Ahoy, an interjection. Also, A, space, hoy, 1751 from A, merely a preliminary sound, and hoy, well, no kidding, a nautical call used in hauling. The original form of the greeting seems to have been ho, the ship ahoy. No, that's not nearly as interesting as the other one. No, but I I do like that chips ahoy and and fish ahoy mean here come the chips or <laughs> here come the fish. You know what I mean? And this is an interesting never, that, that there's chips ahoy and fish ahoy right. and fish and chips is a thing in its own self. Yes. But chips ahoy, that's a chocolate chip cookie, right? Of course. Yeah. But it, a chocolate chip cookie discovered by pirates as they're sailing. <laughs> chips ahoy over yonder. Varby dragons and and chocolate chip cookies. I love when you talk pirate. Um 
speaking of pirates and treasures, uh, even though we weren't talking about treasures, um, I have not been listening all during quarantine when I haven't been in a car very much at all. I My podcast listening has um, fallen way off. I haven't listened to podcasts nearly as much as I used to when I was in the car more frequently. Anyway, that includes ours. And um, But last week, I don't remember why, I was listening to our podcast and... I need to make sure to listen because Denny sometimes adds some little Easter magic. Eggs. Yeah, that we don't even know are going in. He doesn't tell us they're going in and then all of a sudden they're there. So somebody had sent on via Twitter a link to um, a, a portion of an episode of the television show Psych where I was mentioned. It's something like serious as a Rebecca Lobo set shot or something like that. The guy was going to a WNBA game and the other guy said... You know, are you? Oh, they were going over expenses, I think, and it says WNBA season tickets. You know, is this, you know, legit or something? And and the guy said, "Serious as a as Rebecca, Rebecca Lobo. Lobo set shot." I think that's what it was. Anyway, By the way, why set shot? I don't know because no one takes a set shot. I don't know, but that, but, but it makes a, it funnier. A, it certainly makes it funnier because set shot. What? Anyway, Denny's just. Last week in in the middle of the podcast, threw that little audio clip in there, and it was like this little hidden treasure that I didn't know was going to be in the podcast. So I, you and I both probably should listen to our own podcast more just to see um, the magic that uh, that Denny's working. I know the uh, rare times that I'm alone in the car and I'm allowed to listen to whatever it is that I want. There's nothing I'd rather listen to than a conversation that I recorded I three days earlier. I know. I know. I think it was, um, I think I was out walking the dog or something, and um, which I, we normally walk the dog together, so we're speaking to one another, but uh, for some reason, I think I was out walking the dog and had my earbuds in, and it was just like the next thing that came on in my queue, because um, maybe I was actually listening to another podcast. Anyway. Denny's just dropping treasures left and right. Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass. Well, you know, I, I think our audience can't get enough of etymology. And since we gave the etymology of Ahoy, I think it's only fair that we give the etymology for Hoya. Like a Georgetown Hoya? Georgetown Hoya. Hoya is modern Latin named after Thomas Hoy, an English gardener. And Georgetown are called the Hoyas... Uh, a mixed Greek and Latin chant, Hoya Saxa, meaning what rocks, which gained popularity at the school in the late 19th century. So naturally, I think. See, as you I would, would have just have so. assumed it was a kind of dog. Well, in my alma mater, Marquette, the, the alma mater is, is um, ring out Ahoya is the, is the big chant. So um, a lot of Ahoyas and Hoyas, particularly in Jesuit schools. Anyway, as you were, carry on. Carry on. Can I give a WNBA update? Please. So the, the WNBA update is that, shockingly, I think only nine players, uh, I'm pretty sure it's still in single digits, have decided that they're not going to participate in the season at IMG Academy in Florida. The players, I believe, are supposed to report down there um, around July 6th. And then the season, um, I think what was reported at least, I haven't seen any updates that it was going to start July, around July 24th. And, and I was telling you this the other day, I think WMB players somewhat uniquely are built to play in this type of environment in a bubble where uh, you're kind of secluded from your friends and family. And 
um, you know, your life is just going to basketball practice and basketball games. And the reason I say that is most of these women who've been playing overseas for years, that's their existence overseas. Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi have talked on podcasts and other places, especially when they uh, played in Russia, you know, they didn't know anybody, they didn't speak the language, they would go to practice and then go back and hang out in their apartment, just the two of them or um, one of them and, you know, watching uh, TV shows and um, Netflix and, and, and that sort of thing. So th- these women have been living this life for years and, and still do overseas. And so where I think it might be more difficult for an NBA player who's not used to this kind of existence to live in a bubble, I think the WNBA players are uniquely suited for it. So interested to see how, how things continue to evolve with the WNBA season. Obviously, things in Florida are not good when it comes to coronavirus and uh, and the COVID outbreak, but um, we'll see how it all unfolds. But I do think the WNBA players, in terms of the, the difficulty of being secluded from friends and family, have that experience that most of the other professional athletes in other sports don't have. Shall we go to viewer mail? Let's go to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Anne writes, Steve, ha, 50 ways to love your lever. Could not let this one go without applauding my appreciation. Stay well, all of you. Anne in uh, Mississippi. Thank you, Anne. That's a reference to a previous podcast, right, Rebecca? I think so. It wouldn't have been something I said, so I'm I'm, I'm guessing it's something you said. <laughs> well, you're guessing it's not something you said, and yet you said in the recording of this podcast something about tender vittles dangling from a rearview mirror. That is true. Uh, Rachel uh, sends a viewer mail about many tops we've covered over the last um, low these many weeks, including Grandma Bowles. Uh, my mom tries to have healthier snacks than hers. My dad will eat every single piece of candy if he can find it. I don't think that's really allowed. Is it in a grandma bowl to fill it with, what are you going to no. fill it with, carrots? Because there are times when I'll put out, you know, sliced peppers or celery or carrots, but they get they get the plastic, different kind of dish. They, they don't get the grandma bowl treatment. There's a, just a different bowl. You can't, it'd be a little odd to put healthy food in a grandma bowl. But um, she did find Pam Spray at Costco along with Clorox wipes. And this is what I wanted to get at. Given the serious lack of cleaning materials in the stores, Rachel writes, it makes me wonder what the cleaning habits of people were prior to COVID. (laughs) That's interesting because as soon as everybody needed cleaning supplies, you can't get them. Right. And cleaning supplies last. And they last a while. Like, you know, one spray bottle of 409 or Clorox spray or whatever lasts a while. And yet you have become a more fanatical cleaner during quarantine, in part because it's something to do and you're stuck looking at the dirt along the baseboard all day. I'm not more fanatical. I just... Did you obsessively clean the kitchen baseboards last week? It's a yes or no question. Then you may step down from the stand. Yes, but they hadn't been cleaned in months, and that's why I needed to clean them. When you say months, um, would it would it be like thirty six months? Or yes, it, they probably haven't. You're saying been, months. So that you don't probably, have to say years. Yeah, they probably haven't been cleaned since the the last time the Golics were it's, here. It's like calling a sixteen year old. You know, yeah, she's uh, two hundred and forty seven months now. <laughs> but I understand why you say it. 
I've got one on Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. I will retweet this. Um, somebody sent a video. It says, another mask wearing tip for those of us in need of ocular enhancement. And then, hi, Steve. So this video shows a woman wearing a mask and she puts her glasses, the bottom of the glasses goes over the cloth of the mask, not under. And Wait a minute. The bottom of the glasses yes. go over the... Because the cloth is covering the nose, and so the bottom of the glasses rest on top of the mask. The, the gotcha. Go- but also her trick, so that the glasses don't fall off when you look down, is to put the arm of the glasses underneath the rubber band part, the elastic part holding the mask on to your ear. Anyway, I'll retweet this if anyone's I, I, I have another hack, and it's, it's, it's even simpler than that, and, and that's I don't leave the house. <laughs> Or, or you can wear your contact lenses. But for those who do leave the house, um, this seems like another another option. So your glasses won't fog up. Uh, Dr. Gary Siegel, by the way, uh, sends in a correction to his previous uh, his email of last week when he says um, he was extolling the virtues, if you may recall. He was the, extolling the virtues of the mid-meal snack. Yes. Which is... is a, Just a great phrase. A great phrase and a, and, a, yeah. and a brilliant idea. And yet he's he's um, disavowing his own genius when he says, "Hey y'all, I meant to say a midday snack, not a mid meal one." It's so much better as a mid meal snack. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know what a mid meal snack is? That's like you're in the middle of dinner or you're in the middle of lunch, and you get up to go get a napkin, for example. And on your way back to the table, you pass the grandma bowl. You pass the grandma bowl, and you get a handful of M and M's. That's a completely acceptable mid meal snack. Absolutely, and so much better than a midday snack. <laughs> yes, which I think is called lunch. So, Doctor Siegel, just whether or not you intended to write that, own it because it's so much more interesting. We've got um, another clarification from last week's podcast. This comes from Siobhan, and and she sent in a. Um, a tweet last week and we couldn't figure out when she was hiding the candy from the kids if she was hiding the candy in the bathroom or if she was eating the candy in the bathroom you and i had a little conversation about this anyway she clarifies it and she says lol when you shared my tweet about eating m&ms any time of the day on your podcast mostly because you were trying to figure out if i kept the chocolate in the bathroom no only snuck them in my mouth and (laughs) hid in there from the kids (laughs) So she she got the M and M's in her mouth, then went into the bathroom like to, like a squirrel to finish consuming them because they can be a little crunchy and well, there's with their cheeks puffed out full of M and M's. And a funny thing is too, when you have kids that are younger, they are totally the snack police because you know when you have whatever the age is where they still let you snuggle them whenever you want or you can give them hugs and kisses. Our nine-year-old was the queen of this. Like, if I was putting her better, even if, you know, she was at an age, say she was six or seven years old, where you couldn't walk by without just giving them a squeeze because they were squeezable, she would say, did you just eat an M&M? Did you just eat one of your protein bars? Because she could smell it. Because whenever you hug a kid, they, they can just smell it on you. So, um, so anyway. Well, uh, uh, George, my monocle croaky and jeweler's loop dealer in Columbus, writes, Rebecca and Steve, last week our grocery order contained an extra package of blueberries. So I told my wife I would make her Irma's blueberry buckle. (gasps) After giving me the obligatory eye roll, she brought out the mixing bowls and measuring cups and left me to it. When I got to the point of putting it in the oven, I noticed that my batter seemed unusually dry and powdery. At this point, I reluctantly asked for my wife's advice. She asked how much milk I had added. Milk? Question mark. Now, now here comes the, the excuse, okay? 
Okay. I mean, I haven't even read this email yet, but I feel it coming on. Ready? Yeah. When you look at the recipe you posted, the part about add half cup milk was not tabulated in line with the rest of the ingredients. How was I supposed to see that? I added the milk and Irma's buckle turned out great, so thanks for posting, but here's why I write. My wife and daughter claim that not seeing or neglecting items in plain sight, such as when looking for things in the pantry or refrigerator, is a uniquely male trait. Male pattern blindness? Distracted guy lazy eye? I disagree and think this affliction applies to both sexes equally. Can you help settle this argument? Thanks, George and Columbus. Rebecca? Well, can we rewind for a second? Because did he say he was going to make Irma's blueberry buckle and after his wife took out the bowls and measuring cups? Does he not know where the bowls and measuring cups are? By the way, when you say he was going to make Irma's blueberry buckle, we should say that that's the name of a recipe. Yeah. Yes, we should. But right, didn't, doesn't he say, go, please go back to the beginning of the email. Doesn't he say his wife took out the bowls and the measuring? He doesn't see, he does indeed say that. Like, really? You don't know where your bowls and your measuring implements are? You can't just take them out? So I like that she kind of prepped the whole thing, that Sous he chef. still forgot the milk, but I'm glad it, it turned out well. And yes, of course it is like the blind spot. Uh, you know, it's one thing if I ask one of our kids to get something out of the fridge and they say, well, where is it? And I have to tell them the shelf. But it's another thing for you. Like we keep the stuff for the most part in the same place. Like the condiments are always in the same place. The butter's in the same place. The, you know, the yogurt's in the same place. But there, there's another thing. Like how long have we been living in this house? We've been living in this house 15 years, almost 16 years. And you still put some of the stuff in the wrong spot. Like, especially like I have like my cooking spoons or the bigger serving spoons are are like in one long drawer and then spatulas. And I um, I can't distinguish among spatulas. And then like spatulas are in another drawer. You constantly put them in the- I don't know which drawer the the salad tongs go in. They should always go in the same place. And you don't even but I don't you know don't even place. consistently put them in the same there, place. There are, there you are like put them in a variety equivalent, of spots. There are three drawers that are all the equivalent of the utensil, miscellaneous utensil drawer, well, or the the what what would be the the cooking implement version of a junk drawer. Why can't of you, which we have several of those as well? But but if you're gonna con- if you a meat thermometer, where would you put that? I don't I know. But why don't you always put it in the same place? Like the salad tongs are the perfect because example. I'm playing several bingo cards. No, if I just, put them if I put them in each of the three. One. Drawers, then then no. one out of every three times I get it right. No, because you almost never get it right. So you might as well always get it wrong in the same place, so that I only have to look in the one wrong place to find them versus the three wrong places. So I think just just settle on something, even if it's wrong, which it most likely will be. That's okay. At least I'll know. Oh yeah, he thinks they go in here, so I'll go in here. Can you do? Can you do that? Uh, I'll try to do that. Can and some try. of the things I, I don't even know what they are. So how could I know where they go? You were using something today or yesterday. I think it was this morning. And and it was like a wrench. But when you squeezed it, a hammerhead went into a little... It's a uh, garlic press. Sip, a what? It's a garlic press. Is that what that is? And, and the stuff came out like a Play-Doh fuzzy pumper? Yes. And then you shave off the... Yes, it's a garlic press. I mean, how do you not know what a garlic press is? I mean, I understand that you, you don't... What's the point of you, it? You don't, pre- you don't ever press the garlic. It's... T- so when you cook, you don't just throw in lumps of garlic. It's it's all fine, and it's throughout the entire but, pan but, of goodness. But why, is, why isn't there one of those for every everything that you chop up? Is there an onion press? Is there a, a carrot press? 
Why wouldn't you cut that up and put it in like you do with everything else? I don't else? think those would work. I don't know, but it works beautifully. And I'll show you when we're done with the podcast, but the drawer that it goes you, in. You only use it for garlic. Yes. Why? What else would you want me to use it for? You want me to cut carrots up into well, little Well, I, I just don't understand why, why there's a specific them? press for garlic and not for other garlic-sized things that, that also get thrown into pots. Like what? What is another garlic-sized thing? An onion. Thing? It's like a garlic-sized thing. An onion's a, ten a cocktail times onion. the size of a garlic. An olive press. An olive it wouldn't work in there. Well, then how do they it get olive oil it. if there's not an olive press? Well, there, I'm sure there is an olive press, but it's not a garlic press. Okay. Do you have a problem if, if an olive press is only used for an olive? Yeah, it seems, it seems uh, I don't know, it seems uh, elitist. Which is fine. You can think all those things, just put them back okay. in the correct drawer. All right, shall we move on? Yes. Jacqueline writes, Hey, Restiva, since you bought a new grandma bowl and have an affinity for M&Ms, I highly recommend taking part in an M&M bracket. Inspired by March Madness and going back to when going into an office was still a thing, we used to do food brackets every once in a while. We did an M&M one with 16 entries, and I'm attaching the results of our bracket. Apologies for my terrible 16? whiteboard handwriting. There's 16 Oh, there, there have to be more varieties of M&Ms. There, there's an 16? infinite variety of M&Ms they're now. not 16. They used to be plain and peanut. I think they just used to be plain. Then there was plain and peanut. Well, I was surprised recently. I saw at, um, it wasn't at the grocery store. It was at the pharmacy with the long receipts. They had M&Ms made out of Nutella. But it didn't say Nutella. It was, um, what is Nutella made out of? What kind of spread is it? Uh, yeah, hazelnut. hazelnut. So they were hazelnut M&Ms. I hadn't seen those before. They're, 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 uh, they're 16. Anyway, I can't wait to see. I mean, we assigned seeds, seeds randomly. and would taste two different M&M flavors at a time. We'd take a vote. The winner would advance, and we'd, and we'd uh, repeat. Peanut ended up, well, I don't want to say. Um, let's, let's, let's look at the brackets, okay? This is from uh, uh, Jackie. I said it's from Jackie. It's from Jackie and Uno. A resident dog deprived of M&Ms. You know the 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 dog with. That's what you. Yeah, that's well, what he's deprived of is M&Ms. <laughs> the dog with one dangling die, as I yes. recall. Yes. Okay. So here's the whiteboard. It's not only is it uh, hard to read, but it's photographed at an odd angle, slanting away with the light slanting across the whiteboard. So I can't give you the entire bracket, but here are the big sharing bags with a Ziploc top, the kind that you get to fill the grandma bowls with. And, Which I've uh, discovered are, are the, much cheaper at Target. Just as okay. an aside. And, and I've also discovered the move where you leave the grandma bowl full, but you go to the, the open bag in the pantry and eat them out of that. Therefore, That's what you do? Yeah, that, you're not reducing the bowl in any way, <laughs> and you're not getting, you're not getting caught. And, and at 53, I still worry I about say, getting caught. I was going to say, getting caught doing what? Oh, because I, I understand. So when you should be reaching in for cereal, and instead of reaching in for M&Ms, you should, that's a time yet where you don't want to get caught. Well, no, I just don't want to get caught with my hand in the cookie jars or in the grandma bowl. If I eat them out of the pantry, it doesn't reduce the... No, I understand. Okay. Um, so here's the final four for the okay. peanut for the M&M bracket. Uh, white-faced peanut in one semifinal and dark-faced peanut butter in the other semifinal. And this may have been in a... Uh, a uh, uh, peanut craving workplace, but uh, maybe maybe she works with elephants. I don't know, but peanut versus peanut butter was the final, and by a six-five vote, peanut M and M's won over peanut butter. I don't know anybody oh, who peanut would butter is much better than peanut. But explain to me the dark faced and the and the was that white chocolate? And white dark chocolate, chocolate and dark chocolate. Yes, you've had dark chocolate. M's. I didn't even know there were white chocolate M Ms, but they're mint. We're in here, you know the mint whole mint M Ms, coffee nut, crispy mint. What? Orange something. 
yeah we've got it we've got to uh i didn't even know all those flavors existed well, they have to do a better job of tracking these things down and i'll have to say like i when when i saw the um hazelnut or the flavored m&ms at the store i got them and you know we all tried them and they were meh so i won't get them again it's some of those flavors they're interesting just to try but um but you don't want to keep them in the rotation Finally, um, Alex in St. Paul writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. I thought the WNBA was on hiatus, but amid the dearth of sports, I was watching an old Bulls-Jazz finals game, and look who popped into the bottom of the screen game preview. And he attaches a, um, and here it is, the Bulls and Jazz are playing. The who? The who, what? You're saying Bulls like Bulls. The Chicago Bulls and the Utah Jazz are playing in the NBA finals. I know, but you were saying Bulls. Like like a grandma bull. You were saying like bulls. Bulls? Yeah. The bulls. Bulls. Okay, that's better. Okay, the okay. bulls and the jazz are playing. Are playing, but the bottom third of the screen on this uh, old NBA and NBC graphic is a picture of you and a picture of Lisa Leslie and says New York versus Los Angeles WNBA on NBC next Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And when we were watching the... How uh, awesome is that? Can you send that to me so well, I can yeah. po- I will post but it. Can you see it from here? Yeah, I can. And, I will, uh, uh, I'll definitely post that on our Instagram, which but, is at Ball and Chain Podcast. Weren't, weren't we watching the, the Jordan documentary and during the Bulls Jazz series, you were talking about... Weren't you somewhere... What, it was, what was happening? I forget. Do you remember that? I know I was I was out of the country. I think that was, that was 98. Yes. Um, I don't remember. Anyway, um, one of those NBA finals with the Bulls, I was at a Winter Olympics. And I was thinking, why weren't the Winter Olympics being shown on NBC when I was there? But, of course, the Winter Olympics were on CBS at the time. Anyway, uh, thank you, Alex. He also, uh, then a couple days later, Rebecca, you're in the Minneapolis Star Tribune providing analyst insights there. And here's a photograph of you from the Star Trib um, talking about broadcasting games without fans in the stands right okay hope you were able to find a nice matching dress slash mask ensemble for the graduation attire were you by the way was i matching yeah um yeah i was in a blue family for both my dress and the mask a p.s please tell us steve didn't wear a monocle or a loop or a halloween mask i didn't wear any of them only because i didn't think to it now had i worn the the mask and a monocle i think i'd have uh i think i'd have been the the bell of the ball i think so well that's all i've got rebecca well, um, ordinarily, I should say, we didn't bring this up over the 4th. We are in Minnesota. Alex in St. Paul reminds in me of that. Yeah. Normally in Minnesota, go to our sister's cabin. COVID-19 has uh, put that one asunder. Yeah. So we're bummed out about that, but we hope you have a happy 4th of July. And, because, uh, because we won't. <laughs> but the good news is American Airlines is now filling their middle seats. So if you are flying somewhere, you can be sitting right next to somebody um, for however many hours. Who Have you seen the, the, the picture of the guy wearing the mask on his eyes instead of on his mouth? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so you can be one of those lucky folks. So, yeah, unfortunately, we don't get to we, go to we will not. We will year. not be among those folks. And we won't be among those folks. But uh, if you have to travel, stay safe. Um, if you have to, if you have to stay safe, don't travel. You, exactly, and if you have to be out and about, wear a mask. Do you think? Do you think people really come to this podcast for our health advice? No, but I feel better saying it. So put your darn mask on your face. I think it's it's primarily <laughs> etymology and cat food. And 
Well, wouldn't this be ent- what is entomology? A study of bugs, isn't it? Insects. Oh, it wouldn't be that then. Next week we'll 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 do the etymology of entomology. Okay. <laughs> On that note, Tom Dick Hari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.